0: Good afternoon, Hamden, and welcome to Overtime Radio. Thank you for joining us live here on WQAQ 98.1 FM and on WQAQ.com this Friday, October 2nd. Coming at you live from Quinnipiac University, I'm Tom Grasnowski, joined by my co host, Jordan Wolf, and this is Overtime. October baseball is in full swings. We're going to have our full playoff preview. Jordan, you're a baseball guy. I am too. What makes baseball playoffs so great?
1: I mean, it's just kind of the drama and the atmosphere of the games. We'll talk about this in a little bit. I know there haven't been fans there, but watching these games and high-scoring effects and how the players react to big moments in, in potential, like, win game winning spots is just really what makes the game so great so
0: we love talking sports we want to hear from you though you can tweet us your questions at overtime underscore radio if you want to appear live on the air drop us a line call us up that's 203-582-5555 to get heard on the air with jordan and myself 203-582-5555
1: so like i kind of just said the mlb playoffs are usually a time most people look forward to this time no fans are in the stands But MLB has decided to have a bubble in which only home family is
0: allowed in the stands. Tom,
1: do you think this has had any impact on the games themselves?
0: I mean, I don't think it's had any impact on the games, but it might help uh, players feel a little more comfortable. Uh, The bubble atmosphere is something they didn't have all year. It made things more unsafe. Uh, There were some positive tests, but now having a bubble for the playoffs, it's the right move. You can't have any COVID outbreaks in the playoffs. That would really mess some teams up. So this is the right move. Having some family, as long as they test negative, you know, I guess I, I wouldn't have personally allowed it, but I understand why, and I'm okay with it as long as all uh, the negative tests are in, and right now it seems to be in good shape. But so let's get to the games. Uh, first of all, the playoff format, we didn't like it. I really don't, didn't like it, and Jordan was a little more lenient of it, but we still didn't really like the extra teams, That the two wins, and you're in in the next round. But I can say, I can at least admit it was fun. You know, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's fun to follow. It's almost like March Madness. With all the games going on at once. Uh, we did like the idea in past years of making the wildcard game sort of a three-game series. We just didn't like the idea of 16 teams making it. But this could be something that maybe MLB can tweak for the future. Semi-expanded playoffs. Or an expanded round, maybe. The wild card round. Just for those two wildcard teams. So they don't like half the league making the playoffs. But it was kind of fun. And the series, up to a great entertaining start it's
1: been electric to watch electric to watch and that's I'm even saying that as a Yankee fan not having the Yankees to watch for a couple days I'm just been so in tune watching the rest of these series and, and how electric they've been and I really want to talk about the Cardinals and Padres a little bit later but like you like I said before I mean I don't love the format for the future but I do like it for this year because of how unique this year has been that we need some other circumstances to kind of fit into the theme of how crazy this year has been. So I like it for this year, but for the future, uh, I would
0: like things to be a little bit tweaked. Let's so. get started with Yankees-Indians. I saw some people saying the Yankees were done. Where are those people now? I, don't, I don't
1: <laughs> What people were you seeing?
0: That's the question I have. Our good old roommate, Stephen Pappas. Uh, um, I, I think he was half-joking. A couple of uh, MLB uh Reporters who said maybe the Yankees uh, might get uh, might get stifled by the Indians pitching. And you know what? That didn't happen. The Yankees' offense carried them to the victory. Garrett Cole was phenomenal in Game 1, 13 strikeouts, second in team history for a playoff start behind only Roger Clemens. That's a sensational playoff debut for Garrett Cole. And uh, the Yankees said, I believe it was Aaron Boone who said, We didn't get him for games in April. We didn't get him for games in May. We got him for games like this. I mean, he showed up in a big way.
1: Let's talk about it. Game one. I mean, everything went right that you want to go right as a manager. Your ace pitcher had the most strikeouts for a Yankees pitcher in a single playoff game. Your offense, had twelve runs. You limited the other Cleveland offense to only three runs. The only Cleveland player that really had an impact on that game was Josh Naylor in Game one. (laughs) It was amazing watching him. He was a triple shy of the cycle. And then in Game two. A little bit crazier, but the Yankees often... Gio Urshela had the game of his career. DJ LeMay, he continues to step up. Everything has gone right. Gary and
0: Sanchez had three RBI. That's
1: right. I did forget about that. Brett Gardner yeah. had three RBI in Game 1. I mean, I still believe that Clint Frazier should be playing over Brett Gardner, but the fact that He probably should be. The fact that Brett Gardner has had that... Tri- Um, found of an impact has been very surprising to me. But the one thing I am concerned about is the Yankees' bullpen. I mean, they let up, I believe it was four runs, three hits. Um, It's not the same that it was last year, and I'm a little bit worried for the future, but everything else has been solid.
0: You're right in that the bullpen's not as good as it has been in the past, and that's a little strange to figure out why that's been. But, you know, because most of the names are still the same mostly. But, uh... Um... It's still one of the best bullpens you have around in baseball. Few teams can match that. You know? Yeah, that's
1: for sure. But Chapman
0: and B- Britton had a terrific year. He has. Adovino I- struggled, but he's still someone you can count on to get a strikeout, you know, potentially in a big situation. And Green and even Luis Sessa's been pretty good. But I think for the Yankees, the big guns have done it all year. DJ, Go, uh, Judge and Stanton went healthy. But the fact that Sanchez and Gardner and Gleyber Torres, who had a real down year this year, If they all were so huge in that series, that's a great sign.
1: It is, and I I can't wait to see them go against the Rays and see how this matchup, because we saw what Kevin Cash said about the poor coaching and all that stuff. So seeing these two teams go at it and seeing uh, which two teams... I'm sorry I'm losing my words for a second seeing these teams go at it and seeing who gets the edge is gonna be really interesting I'm obviously I'm gonna be rooting for the Yankees because I'm a Yankee fan But the Rays are probably the best team in the American League right now And they've shown it all year so I can't wait for
0: that matchup well, They had to face him eventually they're gonna have to beat him eventually might as well get it out of the way now uh, in that best of five next round one more point on the Yankees before I move on I loved that their offense was able to do it in both ways game one they went fastball hunting They struck early in the count. Aaron Judge, first pitch dinger. A lot of first pitch swings on fastballs. They laid off Bieber's breaking ball. Game two, 12 walks, lots of deep counts. They did it both ways. They can strike in any way. They have excellent play discipline, and they have the power. If you don't throw strikes at this Yankees team, they're going to look at them, and they're going to get on base. And if you do throw strikes... They have the hitters that can do damage.
1: It's great. I it's mean, hard it, to match up with. Cleveland is, like I said before, probably the best rotation in all of baseball. And now you're facing a rotation like the Tampa Bay Rays, who has Glasnow, Snell, and Morton. So if you can do the same thing against them, then really watch out.
0: So. All right. Rays defeated Toronto in two games. That one was easy. Yeah. One seed versus the eight seed. The Blue Jays really had no chance. Uh, Jin Ryu is their best pitcher, and he got rocked. Hunter Renfro hit that grand slam. The Rays kind of cruised to victory. Snell had a great game one. Blake Snell, that's big for them. He regressed a little bit since that Cy Young, but uh, had a huge game one. No hitter for five innings and finished with uh, six effective innings of work. And you know, the thing with the Rays is they hit you from many different angles. They got fireballers, they got junk ballers, they've got sidewinders, they've got short armors. They have a lot of different looks out of the pitching staff, and the hitters are really good too. And there's beef here with the Yankees. The Rays are probably the team. If you were to build a team that could handle the Yankees, but the fact that it's a five-game series, you're really going to have to count on Garrett Cole for the Yankees to get that early game, because the Yankees fall behind, you know, it's it tough. could be tough to come back against the Rays.
1: It's, it's, it'll be very tough. This Rays team is really built to match up against the Yankees, just like you said. And they've had some really good performance in some players, such as Brandon Lau and G-Man Choi, who was a former Yankee himself. And also, they still have Kevin Kiermeyer in center field, a good defensive player there. So... The Rays are a team that uh, that this year it seems like they're taking that next step, but we will see what happens when the series comes.
0: Yeah, the Yankees still can run out of Garrett Cole, and the Rays just can't. They have great, they have good pitchers. They don't have a Garrett Cole. I, they don't have the best pitcher to, in the American to League. To
1: be fair, there's only one Garrett Cole. Right, and the
0: only other one that's close to him is Degrom, because and he's he, Degrom's a touch better. Yes, but we thought if he were to go, I thought Bieber was going to be able to give Cole run for his money. Me, guy me got too, shelled. but
1: that didn't happen. Um, he really got rocked. The it Yankees, was very surprising.
0: If the Yankees get, win the Cole game, they can win the series. Uh, we'll get to our predictions later. Houston, surprise, upset. They defeated Minnesota in two games. Minnesota's playoff losing streak extends to whopping 18 straight playoff losses, which that's just, that's astronomical. It's hard to figure. 13 of those have been against the Yankees, but now the Astros get in on the party, and the Astros did it without cheating, as far as we know, and they did it with a sub-500 record. They actually are sort of embracing the roles of, of underdogs, which is dangerous for them, because or for other teams, I should say, because you can almost overlook the Astros. Oh, they're not cheating. Oh, Verlander's gone. They'll never do it. They're sub-500, but they still have a lot of talent, and they're still a dangerous team. They're not the favorites. The Yankees or the Rays are. But they're just dangerous, and Minnesota couldn't close them out.
1: Yeah, I'm not calling them underdogs. This this series um, describes in one word if you can, and that's the pressing, okay? Minnesota Twins, just like you said, have lost 18 straight postseason matchups. Game one, Minnesota actually had a lead. They blew that lead because Alex Bregman had a really good at-bat. I do not like the Astros. It's the pressing that they're winning. Carlos Correa keeps saying these weird quotes about everyone being mad, and I'm like, well— I mean, everyone's got a reason to be mad, so I don't. I don't know what that quote was about, but the Astros. That yeah, they they deserve to win that series. They outplayed the Twins, and I think this is where their run gets cut up short. I just don't think they have the longevity to last this year. But See, then I think, again, I, I never know. I so. think
0: they could maybe be able to handle their opponent. We're going to get to next, but I just one more one more point on Minnesota. They were the better team for a lot of game one. They had the lead. They missed some opportunities. <sighs> Pressing. They made some errors. Like, they they did get one bad call from the umpire that was huge on that Altuve strike. That was probably—or they called it a ball that yeah, was probably
1: uh, a strike. Sergio Romo was hilarious. I mean, uh, the, the line of the night where he was like, I know Jose Altuve is short, but that's not a freaking ball. Uh, <laughs> I, I I left out some profanity there, but that was hilarious. Well, yeah, um, the made thing is, very hard.
0: Yeah, different players had different strike zones, and I don't know how that one wasn't called a strike, and it cost uh, the Minnesota— I mean, that's a strike to pretty much 99.5% of hitters in this league, so— The Twins, they had it all this year. This was the best Twins team that... I I thought they were the most dangerous team in the AL, aside from the Yankees. And uh, clearly, clearly, uh, I underestimated the fact that the Twins just... No matter who's the manager, I keep saying, oh, past history doesn't matter. And it really doesn't, but... It does. It doesn't, because they don't know who was around in 04 and 09, but they just have like this weird pressure ghost on them and like they can't get out of their own way i don't know what's going on the twins are something
1: i like to call playoff haunted okay every time they seem to get to this step everything falls apart in some which way i don't know why i don't know what it is but it's happened every year now and
0: it's something you can't ignore it's just there's so. no measure for that there's no analytic to say that there's nothing to prove if that should happen but it does anyway. They just defy all logic. The twins with their with their playoff losing it's, and
1: it's really depressing at this point because I know Minnesota fans are really tired of this. They they know how good of a team they actually have, and they had a chance to win that series, but they ultimately came up short. So
0: well, the Houston Astros will face the Oakland A's in round two, the ALDS. The A's defeated the White Sox in three. I didn't like the White Sox as much as a lot of other people did. I thought they were inexperienced. I thought they were just a trendy team. They they have good future ahead of them, but I didn't think they were going to be able to beat the A's, who overcame their little history of postseason chokes and failures. And even without Matt Chapman, who's probably their best player, the A's found a way to get it done. Their pitching stepped up. Bassett pitched a real good game in game two. And uh, game three, the bullpen really shut things down late. I know the You know, the White Sox made it close, but the A's came in and shut it down, and the hitters, you know, they took care of business in a pitcher's park and gave the A's... Uh, surprising sort of victory for some people I picked them but not a lot of people did what happened for the White Sox for you
1: uh it just comes down to injuries and inconsistencies as we saw in game three Eloy Jimenez and Garrett Crochet came out of the game and as soon as that happened I feel like that kind of carried to the rest of the team and it was kind of a negative impact and from that point on it just seemed like the White Sox didn't really have a chance game one Lucas Giolito pitched amazing he had seven innings a perfect game but pitching and then after that, it seems like everything went downhill from game two on. So I got to give credit to the A's. I mean, they're scrappy. They fought. They, I thought the loss of Matt Chapman, they're probably their best overall player, would hurt them, but it didn't. So now they move on, and I'm going to really hope that they beat the Houston Astros because it's a divisional matchup. But the White Sox, I, 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 I they had a great run. This isn't their time now, but they have a really good future ahead of them, just like you said. The so.
0: Athletics said they want to prove they are the best team in the AL West. They won the division. I like it. I we'll, like it. We'll see if they can continue uh, in, in the ALDS against the Astros. You know, look at their numbers. No real hitter stood out. Chad Pender had a couple RBI. Sean Murphy <laughs> had a couple Pinder. RBI. Semyon had a couple RBI. No one had more than three hits. They just kind of... Got it done collectively on hitting. The real thing for the A's was the pitching because the, uh, the starters, at least with Bassett and, uh, and the relievers with Diekman was awesome. Jake Diekman, three innings, no uh, three games, no runs in any of them. He pitched all three games. And Hendricks, solid, uh, solid closer too. So the A's, they're getting by with the by committee thing that they kind of always do if they ever succeed that's how they do it
1: yeah it's just like like we obviously we talk about the movie moneyball all the time and and billy bean his whole thing is he's willing to roll the dice on recent trends and statistics over players that have had recent success in the past as we saw in moneyball so this team right now he's he's believing in them and they're making
0: him uh And they're paying them off for him. so. All right, before we go to the NL, let's get our ALDS predictions. Yankees, Rays, who wins how many games? Let's go.
1: I'm going to go Yankees in five. That that series is going to be so close.
0: I'll say Yankees in five, two. And let's go with Astros, A's. Who you got? How many?
1: I'm going to go with the Athletics in five. That will be another close series.
0: Houston in five. Okay. And they'll throw a big big parade they'll be like, on Twitter. They'll be like, oh, we're back! And then they'll lose to the Yankees or Rays no, pretty uh, easily in the ALCS. You know I just
1: want to see them lose now. I, yeah. I think it'd be funnier. But. I think
0: they might win this series. They they, a, they got a weird little mojo going on right now. I don't like it. No, no one likes it. They don't want the uh, Astros out. Let's move to the NL. Dodgers. They kind of squashed the Brewers in two games. Uh, the game two was really close for a while. Woodruff gave the Brewers a chance with a great pitching performance, but Clayton Kershaw did not resort to playoff Kershaw. He pitched a big start, and uh, the Dodgers bats eventually, you know, got the job done enough to the point where the Dodgers could take that series. They advance, and uh, you know, three nothing win in game two. All the runs came in the fifth inning. Kershaw thirteen K's again, matching Garrett Cole. Really impressive start from Kershaw. Who, quite frankly, he needed that.
1: He did. Uh, we know we know what happened last year, right? With the home run against Howie Kendrick in game five. And for him to go back out there, and I know the Brewers' offense might not be even closely remote to as good as many offenses in the MLB. That's a start that he needed to have, because now going after that start, I would say for the rest of the NL, or the AL for that matter, to watch out. Because this is the Clayton Kershaw we all expect, this is the Clayton Kershaw we see in the regular season, we just haven't seen it consistently in the postseason. But seeing that type of start is very... It's a, it's a good sign for the Dodgers and a bad sign for everyone
0: else. Oh, yeah. So. the Dodgers can get that from Kershaw, if they haven't gotten in the 10, 10 plus years of this window, then maybe they'll finally win that championship. He's been what's hold, held them back several times. Him and many other things, but yes. Yeah, I mean, New Darvish was one of those guys. Uh, Rich Hill was one of those guys. Steve hit, Roberts. Hitting going cold. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think Roberts managed the best, mostly the best he could. Fair. Uh, the whole but, Rich Hill thing was the only thing I'm going to say. But Kenley Jansen. Yeah, yeah but he's these, bad as well. But these guys, all, they, all, they, all, they all did their job in the first round. So Dodgers, they did what they had to do. They took care of the eight-seed Brewers very quickly. Uh, and the Brewers looked like the sub-500 team that they were that made the playoffs. But let's talk about the fun series. Padres, Cardinals. I love this series. I, I rather gutsy tried to pick the Cardinals uh, to win this series in three. It still could happen. Did I, I think I picked the Cardinals. But I'm not feeling as confident after what happened last night. They were nine outs away from advancing, and then the Padres' home run parade came. Fernando Tatis Jr. had two. Manny Machado had one. Will Myers had two. And Tatis celebrated the big one with a exuberant bat flip. It was a bit and stare down. It was a bit much for me on a ball that barely made it out of the park, 365 feet, but I understand the excitement, and uh, you know I might just tone it down a touch next time, but Tatis, I had every right to be excited, at least. Oh, for sure. Um, And he's an exciting, he's a great, exciting player. Oh,
1: yeah, I I, I 100% agree with you. This has been one of the most fun series of the playoffs. Uh, I also picked the Cardinals, but now watching the Cardinals and watching that game last night and... Fernando Tatis Jr. hitting two home runs. Tatis and Machado going back-to-back. Will Myers hitting a home run. That team has so much chemistry and a fun dynamic that it's hard to root against them. And with the Cardinals, their offense, no offense to my man Chris Cohen, is so lackluster. I know they scored nine runs last night. I I look at Paul Goldschmidt, and then I look at Colton Wong, I look at Matt Carpenter, and I say, do they still have it in them? Because those are the guys that they rely on to get the big runs and the big hits, and Goldschmidt did do that last night. But is that sustainable? That's the
0: real question. And the Cardinals don't have the star power at all. They're, all, they're an old team, and they, even their best players, they aren't. They can't match Yachty the or Padres as well, I forgot, on talent. So. Yadi's washed, you know. Yes. But he did have a couple of hits in the, that game that I saw, a couple singles at least. Um, you know, the thing is, game three, I don't even know. Can we, can we, do you know who the starting pitchers are for that game? I, d- I don't,
1: but I know that for the Padres, it's been impressive because the Nielsen lamette And Mike Clevenger, two of their best pitchers, have been out. And for them to go out there and win that game last night the way they did, very impressive stuff. And I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happens in Game
0: 3. Well, uh, the Padres manager, Jace Tangler, said he has no idea who's going to pitch Game 3. Okay,
1: that's good. We don't know either. That's what
0: he said said last night. He has uh, no idea.
1: Uh, (laughs) Is it going to be Garrett Richards? That's the only other person I know that's like a starter.
0: He came out of the bullpen already. Uh, Paddock and Davies started game one and two. They're going to have to use a bullpen game, game three. Uh, the Cardinals, I don't, know, I don't know what their options look like either. They've Wayne They already still. used him. Uh, Flaherty they used. Yes, and Hudson's exactly. out. But uh, you're going to see a couple, what, two bullpen games? We might have to see
1: that. I, I It's very unconventional in a, in a game three, all go home game for two bullpens to have to decide it. But if that's what we're going to have to see, that's what we're going to have to see.
0: Yep. So. All right, Braves Reds. This series was kind of fun despite having very little offense. The Reds' offense and the Braves' offense at their calling card. At least the Reds' should be. Their pitching is also really good, but the Reds... I think the pitching is the Reds' calling card more than the, their offense. Oh, the Reds in the past were known for hitting, is what I should say. I should preface that. Uh, but now it's made more so pitching, like you said. Yeah, The, the, Bauer, the pitching, Castillo, go ahead. And the pitching pitched great. But they scored no runs in over 20 innings. Yeah, that's bad. They repeatedly botched runners in scoring position in extra innings. They didn't bunt, which, all right, I don't love the bunt all the time. They, but they didn't even try it once after a couple of failures because they clearly weren't hitting. And uh, the thing with the Braves is that book on them was all their starters except for Max Freed stink. You know, like the, it's just, I saw a stat: the starters' ERA outside of Freed was over seven. But but they, they pitch, the starting pitching was awesome in this series. The yep. Braves, if they get that, they're a real contender. It, it was, and the, first of all, the Reds
1: uh, to have Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, and I forget the third member of that rotation. It's Sonny Gray,
0: but he didn't of pitch.
1: But to have Trevor Bauer go out there in game one and strike out 13 batters and to not have any offensive show for it, they did not deserve to win this series with no. the way that they hit. The Braves, just like you said, their starting pitching isn't really that good, but I want to shine a little light on Ian Anderson to have a playoff debut and to go out there and have nine strikeouts in your first playoff series. That seems like a deserving to win right there.
0: Well, Ronald Acuna Jr. Are they going to love him or you're going to not love him? I love him. He tweeted to and subtweeted Trevor Bauer. Go home. With a strut, because with uh, emoji or a gif, I should say, if Marcus saw because Bauer hit the strut.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll admit Trevor Bauer does very. He likes to toe the line on Twitter all oh, the time. He doesn't toe the line. He goes
0: over the line. Um, so
1: for Ron, <laughs> so it's not surprising that Ronald Acuna would respond and do that, even though he doesn't even do that very much. It was very
0: funny. I enjoyed it. So. Go home, he said. Well, Trevor Bauer is going home, as are the Reds. And uh, finally, one last series. Miami's up one nothing on Chicago. Very. Unexpectedly, Miami's just one win away from going to the NLDS. Uh, The second game got rained out. I got to take the Cubs in game two and three. There's just no way the Marlins can beat them, is there?
1: Uh, The game one, the Marlins, the Marlins are the definition of scrappy. When you look at their roster, they don't have one guy that you look at and say, oh, man, this is the guy that we have to strike out and keep off base. They have a collection of talent that grind out at bats, that bunt, that move runners over. They they. Will do anything they have to do to score a run, and it works for them. Their style is so much fun to watch. But, is like it? you said, <laughs> I see the Cubs, they have to prevail in these next two games. If the Marlins a, win again, I'd be shocked, but it, I was shocked already. It'd so. be a huge
0: failure if the Cubs can't win. They get beat by the Marlins. You kidding me? The I, Marlins, what do they have?
1: Sandy Alcantara and yeah. Sixto Sanchez, and,
0: and Alcantara didn't even do that great a job anyway. Actually, excuse me, he did. He did. Excuse me. I I'll take my. I just have the stats here. Alcantara did pitch a good game. Uh, you know, Sixto's had, making his first start. You got you Darvish going, and Darvish and Kyle Hendricks as well. Yeah, he went game one. Darvish going game two, and John Lester waits for game three. You know, and the Cubs have this 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 pretty mighty looking lineup with Rizzo and Bryant and Ian Happ's been pretty good as the leadoff man for it. Javier Baez. There's no way they can lose to the Marlins. If they do, that's a big disappointment, and it would just mean more disappointment under a new manager, which would not be good if it continued under David Ross. The Cubs, you know, they're they're in serious danger of having their window just end prematurely. And I, I don't think it will happen, but if it does, we're gonna be uh, I'm gonna be all over them for it. There's no reason. There's no reason they should lose this series. But, no, but, uh, no, you're
1: right about that. But like I said before in my in my preamble, uh, the Marlins are the definition of a scrappy baseball club.
0: Well, I don't care if they're scrappy. They're not they're not good enough to beat the Cubs, and the, the Cubs have to go out and win it. That's the thing. The Cubs have to be better. Yes, they do. And uh, I don't know if they're going. I, I hope they will <laughs> for their sake. Otherwise, we're gonna, I'm going to be laying into them because that would be a big loss. Uh, we don't have NLDS yet, so we're gonna make, we won't make predictions for that. But let's just jump straight to our final four. Who you got in the NLCS, Jordan, and who would advance the World Series?
1: I have the Yankees and, oof, I would, I'm going to go with the Astros. I think they oh, be- a- a-
0: ALC, thought ALCS. Oh. I said that. Never mind. So, ALCS, here we go. You got Yankees, Astros. Okay. Uh, although, I thought you just said Oakland was going to win.
1: I changed my mind. You changed it,
0: your mind in 10 minutes. I <laughs> did. I did. I,
1: I, I thought about it. I'm like, I kind of like the Astros kind of playoff longevity a little bit more. Even though I can't stand their baseball club.
0: All right. Well, you'd have a Yankees-Astros ALCS then, and who would you take?
1: I would take the Yankees in six.
0: Okay. What about the NLCS?
1: I'm going to go Dodgers-Braves, and i take the Dodgers in five.
0: Uh, I'd have to be with you on the NLCS. I don't see the Cards or the Padres beating the Dodgers. I sure as heck don't see the Cubs beating the Braves if they can't even barely beat the Marlins. So I'll go Dodgers-Braves-NLCS with the Dodgers advancing to the World Series. alcs I hate to agree with you, just for the sake of oh, argument. Oh, yeah, I, I see where I messed up. I'm sorry. I go Yankees, Astros too uh, in, the, in the ALCS, and I'd also go. I go Yankees in five, even easier. That sets up the Yankees, Dodgers World Series, and I would take. Oh boy, <laughs> I would take the Yankees in six. I'm, I'm completely with you. I would do the same thing. Well, you know, you can call us biased Yankees fans if you'd like, but that's the way. That's the way we see it. That's the way we see it. The I, it really is.
1: I, I mean, I. I... I see the Dodgers having once again another
0: inevitable collapse. That's just how I see it. Sorry. This is the postseason run that the Yankees and Dodgers have both needed to have during their windows. Maybe it finally comes as a crash course and they meet in the World Series. So that's the MLB. we are loving the playoffs. It's been a lot of fun. Let's move on to the NFL. First things first. Um, Titans, Vikings, Steelers all affected by a COVID outbreak on the Tennessee Titans side. Uh, Vikings had no positives, which is a really good thing. The Titans, in their hand, They had three positives, and the next day they had a couple more. I think so far there's no more positive cases since then, but at least 10 people have been infected. So the Titans are not going to play this week. They would have played against the Steelers. That game got pushed back. Both teams shared a bye week, so they're just going to play over that bye week, and this will be their bye week instead. So a little little bye week flip-flop there for the Titans and Steelers. Um, It's just a matter of time before this happened. I think NFL handled it as best they could. Um, You know, just hope that everyone's okay. And uh, the COVID protocols, you got to take a lot of negative tests. The players who were positive, it could be out for up to two weeks. So uh, that's the way it's got to be, though. Wow. That's
1: but, yeah, you know, the NFL did the right thing and the very safe and cautious thing. And I know the Titans and Steelers game will now be at week seven. At least it's going to be played. But you don't want to see this spread to even more clubs. But let's hope that they, this is the only thing
0: we see. Well, let's talk about our. Let's move on to the rest of the NFL and talk about our favorite, our favorite punching bag. At least my favorite punching bag, and Matthew Travia's favorite punching bag too.
1: Yeah, it's depressing for me. It's not, I. I can't really punch them their bag anymore how can than other not, people can. How
0: can you not? The Atlanta it's so, Falcons. Uh, it's depressing. The Atlanta Falcons. We said we felt bad for the Twins in a way. I don't feel bad one bit for the Falcons. They're blowing games. If they have to win, they blow a game to a backup quarterback. And to Nick Foles, hey, a Super Bowl winning backup, a backup quarterback. quarterback nonetheless, and that comes after blowing a twenty-five point lead to the Cowboys and blowing a lead to the Seahawks in Week One. They've blown three fourth quarter leads in three weeks. How is Dan Quinn still here? What are they waiting for?
1: I I I I don't know. I think they're trying to get some magic from Dan Quinn. Maybe magic. They're gonna do, <laughs> maybe they're going to do a little meditation together. I don't know. I don't know what they see from Dan Quinn. But in my opinion, he's got to go. I don't know why he's still there. I don't I don't know what more needs to be seen in order for him to go. I mean, there's two weeks in a row that you've blown d- double-digit leads when both of those games were extremely winnable um, football games as well. To not only have a blown lead for, to Dak Prescott, who has won me over in many ways this season, but to now have a, a lead from a ice-cold Nick Foles off the bench when Mitch Trubisky played bad enough to get benched in that game – that's, that's fireable.
0: Yeah, absolutely it is. Uh, Matt Ryan's doing okay. He didn't have his, a great game against the Still Bears. Putting up great numbers. But he had a good game, at least, against the Bears. He gave him one touchdown, one pick, 50% completion. Really didn't play great against the Bears at all. But he was great in the first two starts, so it's not really Ryan's fault. This is solely on the defense and the coaching. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what has to—I don't know why they won't make the change. It seems so obvious. Uh, otherwise, in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes beats Lamar Jackson again. He's 3-0. and Mahomes is against Jackson. Lamar Jackson referred to Mahomes and the Chiefs as their kryptonite. Uh, And he's right. The Ravens will not be the number one seed or the Super Bowl team that some have predicted. I believe you predicted as well. uh, Until they can beat the Chiefs. And so far they've shown no ability to do that. The Ravens just can't beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs defense stepped up It did. In a big way. And Mahomes was Mahomes.
1: Yeah. uh, Patrick Mahomes completely outplayed Lamar Jackson. That game, he made some ridiculous throws. Lamar Jackson just couldn't really find his game from minute one and it kind of translated to the entire team that Ravens defense got burned a little bit surprisingly I picked the Ravens to win I just thought they'd be better in that game but they weren't and the Chiefs are showing you that even if they don't have a good game the week before they could quickly rebound and have an even better game the
0: next week and that not good game was still a win
1: it was I I wouldn't say it was a all-out fantastic game maybe not good is a little bit too harsh It it wasn't the game they wanted to play
0: for sure now, the thing is, I mentioned earlier Mahomes outplayed Jackson. I think you actually mentioned it. When has Mahomes ever been outplayed? Like, it never happens. He never gets outplayed. He almost was by Justin Herbert. He wasn't, though. Herbert had picks, bad ones, late in the game lost in the uh, lost in that game. Mahomes never gets outplayed. It's so tough. And Jackson doesn't get outplayed often, but it's happened at least enough to where this is, again, why the gap is so clear between them. Like, Mahomes is such so much the best quarterback in the league, and Jackson's top five, but he's just not... It was a little premature, some people suggesting that Jackson was in that Mahomes class. No one else is. No one.
1: Yeah, he he's he's riding alone. And the closest one I would put in his boat with him is Russell Wilson, which I'll talk about later. Yeah. He's
0: been great. Yeah, we can move on. Yeah, he's been great, but uh, Mahomes is just... It's, how can you stop this guy? You can't. You can only hope to contain him. Another contender here I want to get to, New Orleans Saints. They're 1-2. And, and I guess the question comes, are you worried about them yet? Because... They lose to the Raiders. That's a game they should have won. And then they lose to the Packers. Game at home. I think a lot of people... It was a bit more of a toss-up. I picked the Packers. I did, too. Uh, uh, did you? I thought you picked the Saints. No, I picked the Packers. Uh, after you railed on the Packers last I week? I picked
1: them last week. I did. All right,
0: we'll check the tape. But, uh, we will check the tape. Packers beat them. A lot of people would have picked the Saints. They're 1-2. and two. Drew Brees looks toast, by the way. That's the problem. That's why the Saints would be done if they are. Drew Brees is only averaging 5 air yards per attempt. He's a dink and dunk machine right now. He used to have a deep ball. He had over 5,000 yards four times in his career. He's the leader all-time in passing yards, the leader in touchdowns. He is a great short passer, too. But he used to have a deep ball, and now it's completely gone. Breeze, at 41, is starting to hit that cliff that Max Kellerman always talked about with Tom Brady. And nothing to be ashamed about. He's 41. Brady's 43. These guys are old. But... If Breeze is still throwing ducks up there and he was losing his strength, the Saints might not be the Super Bowl contender that so many thought they were. Are you worried about them yet?
1: I, I am starting to worry more and more and more. I'm not all out worried because I'm waiting until Michael Thomas comes back and see what they have when he's on the field, but he's not there right now. But I'm worrying because you're— probably the best quarterback in your franchise history right now just looks like he's 41 years old it's not working out for him right now he's not making the throws that we're accustomed to seeing him making the alvin alvin is can only do so much he's been incredible this entire season he can only do so much that saints defense has been a little bit worse than i think everyone thought they would be and it's resulted in these games being lost that maybe they should have won
0: what's your panic level one through ten i'm going with an eight that sounds like a lot
1: i know actually you know what I'm going with a six. Okay. <laughs> a six.
0: Yeah. Eight cents, like, I said, like a lot. I said,
1: I'm waiting till Michael Thomas comes back on the field, and I want to see what they can do when he's actually there.
0: Well, I, I, I'd i call it a... I think I think five is a solid number uh, with, with, with with Thomas and, and the defense, and they did have a bit of a tough schedule, but that's who they're going to have to beat in the playoffs. So maybe they can go 12-4 and four in the regular season, but they might not be able to beat a team like the Packers in the playoffs if... Uh, Last game was any indication. Despite the great performance from Kamara, Breeze just couldn't get it done. The defense couldn't get it done. Maybe it was just one bad game. We'll see. They're still uh, super talented. Let's talk about Philly. We've been kind of ragging on the Eagles. and
1: This, they, oh, I can't wait to talk about this. They just this.
0: keep giving us more reason to. And they couldn't beat the Bengals. They went to—they oh, had to tie the Bengals late, first of all, which is pretty embarrassing. They had to tie at, the at Bengals. Home. At yeah, home. Yeah, they had to tie the Bengals in the final two minutes at home. And then, in, in regulation... Then in overtime they couldn't move the ball downfield against that great Bengals defense, you know. That vaunted Bengals defense. If, I mean, you, catch Car- my, if you catch my If you catch my was
1: really making uh, if, making havoc there. If
0: you catch my sarcasm. Yes, we, this we this vaunted does. Bengals defense that is, you know, the the real one that everyone said you had to watch out for. That defense made Carson Wentz look so skittish. Are you kidding me? And then they get a chance to win the game with a field goal. They they run a false start, pushes back 5 yards. It would have been a 50 something yarder. Then they run delay of game, 10-yard penalty, penalties total, made it a 54-yarder, it became a 64-yarder. Jake Elliott has made a 61-yarder before, came against the Giants. Would you have tried that 64-yarder with 19 seconds to go, or did the Eagles, were, were the Eagles right in playing for the tie and avoiding that potential 0-3?
1: No, they, they did the completely wrong thing here. They should have easily tried the field goal. You have nothing to lose in that situation. I don't care if Jake Elliott misses it, makes it. You're going to have to bank on Joe Burrow going down the field with 15 seconds left. And I don't even know how many timeouts they had. Maybe one or two. Well,
0: he wouldn't have to go down the field. If he missed it, it would you, you have been had, right there. You
1: would have had to bank on Joe Burrow making a play in that situation. I would have banked on he wouldn't have made that play. They should have tried it. They should not have punted it away and played for the tie. That... It was a very surprising move from Doug Peterson, who is usually a lot more confident in those situations to go for it. Like I heard someone said he called Philly special in the Super Bowl to win the game. Good point. He didn't do it here. He punted the ball away against a Bengals team that I didn't even think had a chance of winning that game. And it's it was mind boggling to me that they didn't even attempt the field goal.
0: I didn't dislike it as many as much as others because... Nothing if to lose in that Philly, situation. Yeah, the ball game. They could have lost the ball game. And what? here's the thing. The <sighs> NFC East is so bad right now. The leader in the division only has one win. The Cowboys or the, or the football team. They're tied each with one win. The Giants are complete losers. They have zero wins and have no hope. If the Eagles... So go with the Washington football team. The Eagles... Right now, they have one win. The point... The Eagles with the tie this is still alive in the division. If they lost that game, which could have happened... They'd be buried a little bit, at least at 0-3. It'd be harder to come back. With a tie, they saved face in the division standings a little bit. With that division being so bad, the tie is more important than the potential loss. I know Eagles fans hated it, but Doug Peterson just looking at the standings, looking at his Eagles team not being great, and saw a chance for a tie, or a chance for a loss, and chose the tie, and I don't hate it. Based on the way the way the Eagles are right now. They're not a good football team. They need to take whatever they can get. And in that case, the tie was the best case scenario. I didn't just I, I didn't dislike it. No, I, I did. You you have to try it. You have to win the
1: game there. It's it's but embarrassing were, it's embarrassing enough that they were already tied at home against the
0: Cincinnati Bengals and had to go to overtime. Right. I even, can, right. So that was embarrassing. So the fact that they got the tie. They they salvaged something out of it. Uh they should have tried it. They they
1: should have tried it, and if they missed it, then they would have had to bank on Joe Burrow beating them. And if he did beat them, then that's
0: on them. Joe but Burrow they should have tried it. would have had to make like one ten to fifteen yard pass and then timeout and then a field goal. Hold
1: on, hold on. Well before I move on, Randy Bullock in week one missed a third a twenty-six yard field goal. Against the Chargers, or however he, long it was, he missed one of the most makeable field goals a kicker in the NFL should make, and had some. I guess he had a hamstring injury. He I hasn't don't know. Missed since then, yeah, but like, just remember
0: that. And, he hasn't and missed since then. test him, see what he can do. He hasn't missed then, surprisingly, but see what he can do. I, I didn't. I didn't hate it as much for the Eagles, just because they know the division they're in, and they know that the tie is somewhat. Of value That's right now. That's fine, but I, I would have I banked on trying it and seeing what happens. It was at least out of character for Peterson. We can agree on that. Yes. Uh, one more point here before we get to one final point. The sad state of New York football. We just have to talk about oh. it. The Jets just played last night. The Jets are a, a laughingstock. You know, they had no chance of winning the game yesterday, even against a third-string quarterback. Darnold plays okay, and then and then when he's, he makes some great running plays, a couple of good passes, then just completely undone by offensive line, not Gace, good. Adam Gase himself. Gace not scheming protection for him. No, no extra running back, no extra tight end, a lot it's, of empty sets. It's awful. It's awful to watch. And the defense is abysmal. This sounds a lot like the other New York team that we both love so much. Abysmal defense, bad offensive line, no blocking, and very little weapons. And suspect coaching slash GM. We've talked about this with the Giants and the Jets, and it's really bad for football because New York's the number 1 media market, and they're the teams that fans and non-fans can can register. The new the Giants, the Jets, everyone knows those teams, and they stink. And it's so bad for football. And the chances are Trevor Lawrence is probably going to go to one of those teams, most likely the Jets, and he's going to get all this pressure. Hopefully, I mean he would be the one to to uh, meet, the, meet, meet the expectations. If anybody could, it would be him, I'd bet on. But it's just so bad for football because it's such a great market, the games aren't even watchable if you're not a diehard fan. And even if you are a diehard fan, they're painful. Yeah. The NFL missing an opportunity with Saquon Barkley in New York and. and, and Bell. And, yeah, and Bell. I mean, he's, a, he's a marketable player, for better or for worse. And Darnold, good young t- talent. And they're just getting wasted here. Bad management, bad coaching. No one no, no one on defense in the whole city you know, you could you could have Mike Francesa come on and play oh and play my a better God. linebacker oh my than, uh, God. than some of the guys who are playing linebacker for the just Giants and Jets. tell me that Mike
1: Francesa can go on the field. Mike Francesca yeah. barely pick, handles people, um, knowing that he eats pizza. Okay, pick, pick,
0: pick anybody up off, off New York Talk Radio; they could probably play a better linebacker or a better secondary than some of the players we've seen.
1: Ah, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far, but it has been very bad. Yeah, I wouldn't go far enough to say I want Mike Francesa on that field. I I never want to see Mike a Francesa a on the field. J- it's a joke. It's I understand it's a joke, but I still <laughs> never. want Want to see my on a football this
0: field. makes the best team in New York the Bills. I still doubt them as real contenders because I consider a contender a team that can go to the Final Four, the conference championship. I don't think the Bills can do it yet but the best team in New York right now with the low bar and the Bills have been off to a good start. Josh Allen, you know I've been hard on him. His numbers haven't been great in the first two years but he sure has had a great three weeks. He has uh, been terrific the first three weeks with his completion rate and his deep ball and his rushing. If this is the way he's going to be uh, for the rest of the year, Than the Bills I don't know if they're conference finals contenders I don't even know if they beat the Patriots in the division But they'd certainly be a team An interesting team to face in the playoffs And uh, Allen, to his credit Has been doing a good job uh, Making me eat my words so far through three weeks Gonna have to do it for the whole season But Allen's been pretty really good so far
1: So Josh Allen just won, I believe, AFC Player of the Month In his first month And let's go over his numbers really quickly 71% completion percentage Amazing 10 touchdowns to one interception. That's something as an offensive coordinator that you dream of having. Yep. Then you have 12 yards per catch. You have an average of 10.5 yards. And Josh Allen, it seems like he's really coming to his own in his third year. He's really starting to understand reading the defenses and really going into his system. And he's really making work with Stefan Diggs and John Brown and Cole Beasley and really also using the complimentary pieces of Devin Singletary and Zach Moss when Zach Moss is in the lineup. So this Bills team to me is a legit contender. We haven't even talked about how good their defense is. And I know they kind of had a bad game against the Rams last week, but I still believe in this defense. And I think the Bills not only are the best team in New York, but can win this division this year.
0: Yeah, we'll have to see. I just don't have faith in continuing this. It's only been three games. That's the the disclaimer I'll always say. It's only been three games. And they were, two of them were against the Jets and the Dolphins. But still, they've won games that they had to win. And I'll give them credit for that to at least be uh, a team we have to consider, a team we have to talk no, about. I no, think,
1: I think they're legit. I really do. We'll, I believe in that team a we'll, lot.
0: We'll get back to the NFL for our pick six. But we do have a couple finals matchups we got to get to first. Yes. We're running a little low on time here. The, the NBA finals are underway. The Lakers are up one nothing on the Heat. Miami got steamrolled in Game 1. At one point, I believe the Lakers... I don't have the stat on me. They went on a 40-something, to like, 15 run. Miami just could not defend. Nobody could defend LeBron. Uh, Butler was primarily attached to him, and LeBron's just bigger than he is, even if Jimmy tries hard on D. LeBron's hard to stop. And Bam Adebayo, you know, it's a lot different trying to guard Daniel Tice than it is trying to guard Anthony Davis. And, uh, you know, I don't see this changing, to be honest. I think all the games that the Lakers win are going to be – Kind of blowouts. I think the Lakers win this pretty easily in five. Does, do you think this continues this way, or did the Heat have any adjustment that they could possibly make? Because I know Spoelstra is a good coach. Do you he think is. he has any magic? Or no? Is this kinda- I think the
1: Heat have ran out at this point. I mean, Goran Dragic just got plantar fasciitis, so that's a big injury for them. I know Butler got injured in that game. I forget who else is. Oh, Bam Adebayo is also injured. So I know we have our good buddy Sergio De La Espriella, who's been telling us how good his Heat team are, and they have been really good all season long. But I just think Lakers having Davis and having LeBron and then on top of that, having Green and Rondo and Pope all stepping up. It's just too much of a matchup nightmare for the Heat to sustain. Davis so.
0: had 34 points, nine rebounds, yeah. uh, over 50 percent from the floor. Uh, LeBron, for the record, I believe he only had 25 points, but he was very close to a triple-double. Uh, yeah, he was ass- 25 points. He was an assist away from the triple-double uh you know this is just a team that you can't guard those two guys and uh i think that's why the lakers are going to win pretty easily lebron just it's it, i love how he's aging like a fine wine because he went from he went from the scoring sensation even just 3 years ago with the with the cavs you know he was the thing that was making them the engine that was making them go they stunk without him and now 3 years later LeBron is still a great scorer. He can score when he has to. He had 14 points in the fourth quarter of that Western Conference Finals Game 5, but he's also a great facilitator. You know, he knows how to use Anthony Davis. He knows how to work with some of the three-point shooters he's got. He's still rebounding the ball. He can score when he has to, and his playmaking has always been great, but he's he's really using it this season. He's running as the point guard. It's It's been, it's been great to see. Him and Davis is just such a such a dominant unguardable fit yeah they both
1: just have so much so much chemistry with each other it's really good um they both really complement each other's games well whereas you see with davis how he can shoot the three ball for a guy his size and then you see with lebron he can go into the paint and draw fouls and get to the line whenever he wants to because of his size so both of their games really complement each other well and it's really creating a nice success on the court for the lakers
0: also around the NBA, Doc Rivers coming to Philadelphia. This was a big surprise. He was let go pretty late uh, by the Clippers. It was the right call to let him go. I had said so on radio before. It was. And I, I changed my mind. He – the thing is, he's always been a great coach. It, it, could be, it could be right to let somebody go, and they could still be a great coach. The time just expired in L.A. He it grew stale. The, the window – they needed something new. But Doc – There's still a top-five coach in this league just based on his winning record, and a new team could reinvigorate him. He brings respect and and, and cachet to Philly that they didn't have before, to be honest. I love Brett Brown, but not every player respected him. Uh, Jimmy Butler, for sure, was one of them. Um, You know, because he hadn't won anything. He hadn't proven anything, and his reputation had been to be over a team that had been losing intentionally, for better or for worse. So with Doc, the vibe has totally changed. This brings cachet. It brings it brings respect to Philadelphia. And I watched this great show on Netflix. It's called The Playbook. LeBron James is one of the producers. And Doc Rivers was the first coach they featured on this show. He had five keys to success. Finish the race. Don't be a victim. Ubuntu is a way of life. I'll get to that. what that means in a second. Pressure is a privilege. And champions keep moving forward. Those were his five keys to success. Ubuntu is the... Uh, the axiom that the Celtics thrived on.
1: Whoa, look at this verbiage it, right now. It, <laughs> it,
0: it basically means it, it has to do with having compassion and, and, and uh, human, like appreciating the humans that you work with, you know, and, and everybody has to work together and everybody has to buy in. It's not me first, it's a team thing. And somehow we got Kevin Garnett, Paul Pearson, Ray Allen, three big stars to buy into that team vibe. And that was the best part of the show. And, uh, you know, If he can bring it to Philly, that's what they need. They need someone to bring them together. They need Embiid and Simmons, one of them, or both, to become leaders. They need the teamwork. I think Doc could be the right guy for that. Uh, It was certainly the best move they could have made. They still need to make trades to fix the roster. That's the biggest thing. Doc alone isn't going to fix the roster. With Al Horford still there and Harris playing out of position and Richardson playing out of position. If they can fix those things with trades, then Doc... Could be the right guy for Philly. It's certainly a step in the right direction. It was the best move they could have made.
1: Yeah, I I wish we had Jared Hughes here to really compliment off your uh, Sixers takes that you have there. Because I don't watch the team, obviously, as much as you do. But from what I see, this, this has the potential to be one of the best hires the Sixers have made in a long, long, long time. Now... I think Doc definitely can get the best out of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and and maybe he has to make a couple trades, or not him, but the front office has to yep. make a couple trades to uh, fix what, some of the problems they've been having. But I I, I really like this hire. I, I Doc Rivers is a proven coach. I know he didn't work out in, for the Clippers with two different cores essentially. The Celtics he was able to win with Rondo and Allen and Pierce and Garnett. So. Let's see if he can sustain that magic once again in Philly.
0: When Doc was in L.A. in February, when he played the Sixers, he compared Embiid and Simmons to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson.
1: Whoa, that's high praise. That is high,
0: high praise. We will see if he can uh, work that magic and make that come true because he certainly gives him the best chance. It's like when the Flyers hired Vigneault or the Phillies hired Girardi. Philadelphia is bringing some big names to yeah, coach. Yeah, they
1: are. They're bringing a lot of established guys who have either been to a championship or have won a championship. So who
0: could they bring in to replace Peterson? That's the only question. <laughs> uh, they got to bring in some big-name football coach to complete it and make a foursome of awesome coaches. I guess, awesome I guess coaches. Jim Harbaugh
1: would be one name I could see.
0: That would certainly be an all-star coach. Philly is going all in with the coaches right now. We'll see if it does anything for their team. It seems like his
1: time is dwindling down in Michigan,
0: so... NHL. The Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. We both saw this coming. Uh, the Stars got off to a great start game one. They won game five to stay alive, but the Lightning were just so much better. Victor Hedman won Conn Smythe. They wouldn't have won the Stanley Cup without him. He was so great on defense, and he provided terrific Paul Coffey levels of offense, Bobby Orr levels of offense, and play shutdown D. It was incredible from Hedman. Vasilevsky played great. Kucherov and Point and Palat were sensational. And Steven Stamkos, uh, even played that one game, three minutes of that game, and uh, he scored the goal in that game, and he was the first to raise the cup. It was an awesome moment for Stamkos.
1: Oh, that's for sure. I mean, the Lightning just deserved to win this one. It just felt right, like someone said on Twitter. I forget who it was, but everything that... Was supposed to go right for them. Did like John Cooper as head coach pressed the right buttons. Victor had been played the way he was supposed to play. Kucherov played the way he was supposed to play. Point played the way he was supposed to play. Vasilevsky shut it down on the back end. They even got step up from guys like Bogosian and yeah. Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk as well. So every, everyone really contributed to the main goal of winning the Stanley Cup. So it, they just really deserved it. Not to say that the Stars didn't deserve it, but they just did not match up as well or play as well.
0: The Lightning are proof for the LA Dodgers. That if you, if you truly earn it, uh, you, can, you can, you know, and you have all the talent and you, you can handle a few hard losses along the way if you stick together and trust the program. Yeah. You come together as a team. That's what the Lightning did. They
1: really bought to John Cooper. I, I thought they would never recover from a series defeat like that against the Blue Jackets, but they did. They proved everyone wrong. They won this year, and now I think all the questions about playoff choking can go away. So. All right,
0: let's go back to the NFL for our favorite last segment of the show the pick six game one colts and bears a combined 5 out of 6 wins so far for these two teams unbelievable who gets that win are the bears 4 and 0 or are the colts 3 and 1
1: i keep saying that the bears are the worst 4 and 0 team i 3 <laughs> and 0 team i've ever seen you're i right. mean you're right i their defense just is playing over their head their offense is kind of playing over their head. But now that I think about this matchup, I think they are going to be 4-0. Because Nick wow. Foles, I think, is going to outdo a field of rivers. I think the Colts' lack of offensive weapons is going to hurt them. And I think the defense is going to get gassed enough to where the Bears win.
0: I don't think... Nick Foles, career backup, can do it against the Colts defense. Did it, gonna,
1: he Did it against the Falcons with a double-digit lead.
0: Falcons defense isn't anything special, though. Colts Neither de- is the Colts. Colts defense is the number one fantasy defense this year.
1: I that's su- very surprising.
0: Granted, that's fantasy, but the point is they 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 have good they have good defense with Nel, uh no, excuse me Leonard and uh, others that can hit the quarterback. I'll pick the Colts. Vikings, Texans, both teams are zero and three. Let's go quickly here. Who goes to zero and four? Who finally gets that first win? Oh, my
1: God. Oh, this is so tough. You know what? It's so tough, I'm going to pick a
0: tie. <laughs> There's Jordan's special. Pick him the tie. I'm picking a tie. For the, I can't pick again. a winner. I can't. You've dusted Dude. it off again. I think it's pretty easy for me. I'll go Texans. I'm picking a tie. Bills, Raiders. Two surprising teams. Bills are 3-0. and Raiders are uh, 2-1. two and Who you got? Bills. Bills is probably the smart pick, but I'm going to let my Raiders bias get in the way. Let's nope. go Raiders at home. They're going to be... Uh, Three and one, and the Bills will finally get that first loss.
1: Now it's going to be the Bills' side.
0: CBS think. game of the week: Patriots at Chiefs.
1: Chiefs are at home. Chiefs play amazing at home. Patrick Mahomes is feeling special again right
0: now. Chiefs all the way. I just don't pick against the Chiefs. I think it's it would be foolish. I pick them to go sixteen and zero. Basically, I never pick against them. Uh, Patriots will lose. Chiefs will win. Sunday Night Football. A little less of a luster right now based on what's happened with injuries and underperformance. But Eagles-Niners could still be a fun game. Nick Mullins played real well against the Giants. Eagles, a little better than the Giants. But uh, I still think the Niners will find a way to win. Uh, You know, the Eagles, they just haven't looked good this year. Nothing has looked good for them. Wentz has looked lost. Do you really think that's going to change against the Niners' defense? Even this B-team rate? I I don't know. I don't see it. I'll go to the Niners.
1: Niners all the way. Nick Mullins is going to do he's gonna game manage
0: the way he did against the giants and everything else will fall into place finally falcons packers is monday night football i don't even think the falcons are gonna blow a lead they're not gonna ever have one other than maybe seven nothing packers will take this one easily packers are going to the super bowl and packers are gonna win this game fine
1: it's gonna be a high scoring game i'm not gonna go as far to say the packers are going to the super bowl but they will win this game
0: well that's all we've got here for overtime radio it's been fun talking about mlb playoffs nfl week four we're already in right now NHL's wrapped up, and the NBA Finals underway. We might have a winner for next week's show, and if we don't, that means we're getting a great finish. So by next week's show, we'll have some great NBA to talk to. But for Jordan Wolf, this has been Tom Krasnowski. That'll do it here on Overtime. Keep it with us here next week. Same time, same place. Have a great weekend.